Retirement can be scary, but only if you're not prepared. That's why AARP created thisispretirement.org. Because unless you've already retired, you're in pretirement and you still have time to plan. Learn about retirement savings options, potential tax breaks, and how you can build savings over time. Visit thisispretirement.org for free resources to help you customize your action plan and feel the retirement fear disappear. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Dog Works Radio is sponsored by Alaska Dog Works. Check out their website at alaskadogworks.com. You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Canadian Challenge Tales. We are joined today by Laura Neese from Michigan. How are you today, Laura? I'm doing great. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining the podcast you know, I know it's been a few years since you joined us at the Canadian Challenge. You know, back in 2015, you were part of the 12 Dog Race. You finished in third place, which is fantastic. Uh, since then, you've been very busy. I believe a Yukon Quest run in 2016, 2017, you finished the Iditarod, 2018, you did the Yukon Quest again, finishing in third, and then in 2020, did the Iditarod. So you've really been around in addition to those races lots of other races i know the up 200 you've been to regularly and lots of others around so i'm really excited to get your feedback on races and how things have been but i want to start you know with where you started with mushing i know you've been around mushing for quite a few years even though you're still quite young so can you tell us how you got started into mushing and uh, you know where the where this love for dog sledding started yeah, so um, I grew up in central Ohio, not a lot of snow down there generally, and uh, sled dogs aren't too popular. Um, so the whole love of the sport started when I was nine years old, and uh, my mom thought it was a good idea to follow the Iditarod online as a homeschool project, and uh, <laughs> little did she know that that was going to be the rest of my life. Um, I was was sold right away, and uh, from then on, sled dogs have been pretty much the, the top thing on my mind at all times. Um, so it's been just a fun journey, and um, had a lot of great adventures out there, and yeah, it's it's been cool. So is there a, a first memory that stands out for you, or a, a first race maybe that... Uh that you think back on and go, you know, that was the, you know, the first time or the, the first, uh, you know, memorable experience? My first qualifier um, was definitely a very memorable one just because it, it was the Eagle Cap Extreme out in Oregon. And um, it was just, it was the first time things really started to feel real. Um, so that was in 2015. I had been working with sled dogs for five years at that point. Um, but that was my first race over 30 miles. And I remember crossing the finish line after that 200 miles and truly being sad that it was over. And, uh, it was kind of that moment that really let me know it was, uh, it was definitely a dream I wanted to continue to pursue. Excellent. So you finished the Eagle Cap. I believe they have that in January. 
Yeah. And then February of 2015, you came to the Canadian Challenge. Um, you know, do, do you have a, a fond memory from the challenge or is there a trail portion you really enjoyed? The challenge, um, honestly, is still one of my favorite races ever, largely because of the community behind it. Um, and just that race, I felt so welcomed and um, just just getting to know the, the people up there was great. And trail, um, I really loved the section between Larange and Grandmother's Bay. That, for for some reason, I think about that run a lot, even now. It was just, it was a night run, and just northern lights, the team was cruising. Just one of those magical runs, and uh, yeah, that, that still sticks with me. Yeah, it's it's quite a trail section, uh, particularly once you come off uh, Lac La Ronge. It's you know from lake to lake with portages. Yes. So you get a little oh, bit yeah. of open lake, flat area, and then tight, twisty, little more technical portage. Uh, you know, so it's it's become a a popular spot. It, was there a dog in that uh, particular season that that stands out to you or that? Uh, you really enjoyed or maybe exceeded your expectations? So that year, um, my main leader was Wilson. He was three years old at the time um, and just a very, very hard driving leader. He's always wanting to go faster. Um, He wasn't perfect on commands, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he uh he sh- sure loved to drive that team um actually that year i think it was the third run of the race i put maple um anybody who's followed me over the years knows about maple <laughs> um she is she's sleeping on my bed right now she's my soulmate super incredible leader and um that was the first race that I put her up in lead during a race with Wilson. And uh, I, I actually think about that run a lot also. Just watching her do her thing like she'd been up front all the time. And uh, so, yeah, she went on. She's finished both of our Yukon quests. She ran over 500 miles in lead. And uh, just just a superstar. So that was kind of her debut excellent so did you get her as a puppy was it a dog you purchased or one that you bred uh through your kennel so i actually met maple when she was two years old um so when i moved up here to the up i moved up here to work for nature's kennel and um so ed steelstra he owns nature's kennel he had just what was been i think it had been five months he had had bought maple five months before. And uh, it was a very, as soon as Maple and I met, it was, there was instantly something special there. She had never really bonded with another person before. And um, I'm really glad she picked me as as her human, because I don't know what I would have done without her. Can you share the secret? I think it's just personality. I mean, I don't, I really don't know. I never I never remember a run or a day or anything where I did anything out of the ordinary with her. It was just just one of those things where 
she she kind of decided she just wanted wanted to be around me all the time and uh she's she's one of those dogs that would run to the end of the end of the earth for me and um I I trust her with my life. Well, it's amazing that uh, you've been able to have those experiences together and and endure so much. Uh, you know, I, I think of the thousand mile races that you've done with that dog in particular. You know, it must be a, a bond that is unspeakable. I mean, you talk about your time at the Canadian Challenge with her and lead. How much was that different after maybe your first quest finish? Oh, it was after that that first quest. Um, she was three years old in our first quest. And that race, I knew she was something special before that. But when we got to the finish of the quest, I, I mean, our bond was <laughs> strengthened tenfold. And um, that, yeah, things that that she's led the team through are, are truly incredible. Um, just big storms, things that, um, really like anybody would think twice about (laughs) maple. Those are the times where maple was at her best. She, she loves to kind of show off, go through challenges and I don't know, get, get her team to safety. So obviously you went on to the Yukon quest in, in 16, is there, you know, perhaps a, a section of the trail or a portion of that race that, that stands out to you? Um, that race, kind of the whole thing, it was a magic carpet ride. Our, our weather wasn't too bad. It wasn't that cold for a quest. And um, it was, at that point, I had been going through checkpoint routines and reading about every section of the quest, and I did a ride trail for 10 years. <laughs> and uh, Kind of just imagine it all in my head. And so to actually be running it and seeing sections of the trail that I had read about and actually doing the checkpoint routines and everything was was just real. So it was just an incredible experience, the whole thing. And uh, I guess probably the biggest part of that race that stands up is or stands out is the storm that hit coming into Dawson City we um they had rerouted the race to go onto the top of the world highway for that 50 miles into Dawson instead of staying on the Yukon River like it usually would and um we were camped um about 50 miles out of Dawson and right when we when we stopped, it was starting to snow. And coming from the UP, we get snow all the time. So um, it it was kind of exciting. Like I saw an attitude change in the dogs because they saw snow. Kind of reminded them of home. I'm I'm guessing, and they were happy. And uh, obviously, I fed off of that. So. We ended up, when we left that camp, we ended up being kind of the first team out after after that storm kind of cut the field of teams in half. That was the first run where I really saw Maple at her finest. And I think that's, that's the biggest reason I remember it so well. Just 
So a lot of a lot of wind, a lot of snow, some really deep drifts. Just a very memorable night run. Yeah, it was it was pretty special. How does the 2016 quest compare against your run in 2018? 2018 was it was brutal. It was cold. Um, we had, I mean, the warmest it got for the first nine days was 35 below zero. And we had plenty of 40, 60 below zero temps. And my, I mean, weather wise, it was, it was just no comparison to 2016. It was hard. My team in 2018 is still the best team I've ever run. They were our training was perfect that year. The team was um, six to seven years old in their prime, and um, they're they're just super talented, super fun dogs. And we had worked with each other for years, so the bond between the dogs and myself, and the dogs between <laughs> between the other dogs, was very strong. And uh, it's kind of, for most of the race, it felt like, I don't know what it felt like. It was like the dogs were just a, a unit. And um, it was so cool. I'll never, never forget every time I woke up from a camp in 2018, even if it was 60 below zero, <laughs> um, I would get out of the sleeping bag and one of my dogs north he would as soon as he saw me get out of the bag he would jump up and sit there waiting for me to grab the booties and get the team ready to go and so i'd <laughs> he'd be the first to get his booties on and he'd basically put them on himself he was <laughs> so excited to go and uh that just made me so happy every single time i i got out of that sleeping bag and uh is is a cool dog. It sounds like a big uh, emotional and and mental boost for you to Very see that the dogs cool. are ready to go, and you're not worried that you have shortened the rest too much. Can you, can you talk a little about the training that year? You talk about it being perfect. I know lots of people see you know social media posts of you know out for a training run and a short video. What is perfect training? like what what was your training schedule or what can you tell us about your training that year that made it uh perfect so that year our fall was um it was nice and cool so our training we got started in august and just had real steady runs all the way through the fall um and i had as pretty much all I was doing that fall and winter was training my team. I had had help grooming trail and keeping all that stuff open. And we had 60 miles of trail open that year. So um, once snow came, we were doing a 60-mile run, um, usually two days on, one day off for every dog. And just really just pounded the miles. Our conditions were perfect. So um, I had very few injuries. And uh, 
yeah, it was just really just able to focus totally on training and run running dogs. And um, it really, I really saw it pay off for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, but <laughs> we uh, we definitely didn't get the cold here that we got once we once we were up running the quest. Yeah, but you certainly got the snow. I mean, the yes, Upper Peninsula is well known for its constant snow conditions, <laughs> and you know, so not not everybody gets to experience that that level of snow. So does it come early and stick around where you are? It usually does. We can usually plan on it um, on being on sleds the first part of December. And we can usually run sleds through, at least through the middle of April, if not later. So we usually have plenty to go around. So what makes for a good training grounds for these longer races where you need that training in? Uh, And switch gears a little and talk about the Iditarod. Uh, You know, your first one was in 2017, your rookie year. I think finished 42nd out of 64, which is impressive by any standard to finish as a rookie, but to come that high up in the in the standings, I believe right behind the Barrington sisters. Uh, how was the your first Iditarod? That race, I have a few very strong memories, and then a whole lot of um, pretty vague memories too. Um, that was the first time I saw extreme cold. We had 55 below. Um, I think it was two nights. Um, and there were... I did or I just has a lot of different challenges from the quest. I, um, I find it harder mentally for me. Because there's just a lot more... There tends to be more monotony on the trail. And just, yeah, just a totally different set of challenges. I remember that was the year the race started in Fairbanks um, due to lack of snow in southern Alaska. So the halfway checkpoint was Huslia. And that was one of my favorite parts of that race. Um just because of the history in that village, and I was pretty excited to to go there. And we pulled in, and I uh, stopped the team and, and, and check in, and pull the hook and start to go to our parking spot. <laughs> and I realized there's about five little, little kids hanging on my sled. And uh, it was just really, really cool to see how see the excitement in the village too um that was a a pretty big event for them and uh it was just it, it was fun to see that and um just all that extra excitement well it's a well-known community in terms of mushing uh yes. you know lots of top-notch mushers and dogs that have come from that area and the community not getting the Iditarod on a regular basis certainly seems to step up every time it happens. Mm-hmm. So it seems like a real treat to come into some of those, you know, some might call it a bucket list location. Uh, were there any others during your first Iditarod that really stood out? Did you have any challenges along the Bering coast? It's always considered to be a, a tough portion. The coast. So I actually 
had to drop maple in Shaktulik. So I did not have very strong leaders um, for, for the whole coast. That year, though, we had pretty much no wind. It was, it was, it was pretty wild. Um, yeah, I never remember wind, even on the sea ice, um, that year. So, as far as that goes, it was a very easy run on the coast compared to Norma. Yeah, pretty, pretty rare there. Yeah, normally you hear about, I think it's Shaktulik is considered one of the windiest spots along that whole trail. Yes. So you, you may saw, have got lucky on that one. I, I saw the wind, the normal wind in 2020, so. <laughs> yes, well, in 2020 was a big snow year as well. Uh, you know, Thomas Werner won that one by a lot. He just seemed to power through all that snow. Did you, you know, how was the trail when you got there? Was there still lots of snow and was your experience in the UP helpful during that year? Our training that year was not excellent. We had a pretty, a higher than normal snow year here. So keeping trails open was extra challenging. And uh, so... I definitely didn't go into that race with the the same caliber team I went into the 2018 quest. Um, The trail, a lot of it, by the time we hit it, it was kind of like running through mashed potatoes (laughs) in spots. Um, It's just, it was a, a very warm race. And one run on the Yukon, it was between Ruby and Galena. Um, it's probably one of the tougher runs as far as snow conditions that I've been out in. Because it was, it was warm, it was raining, and there's about probably 10 to 12 inches of fresh snow on the river. So you couldn't see where the base was. And, uh, yeah, it was just just kind of kind of slow going there for a while. Um, so yeah, trail conditions were were pretty challenging for a good portion of that race. Yeah, it, you hear a lot about the the river uh, in particular being a challenge, whether that's the trail conditions or the wind blowing the trail in, or just the monotony of. <laughs> running down the trail anyway. over and over when you're that tired and you know close to the middle section of the race how did you combat that uh, in your two races with you I did Rod um a lot of a lot of listening to my iPad or iPod that's kind of <laughs> when I get real when things get really monotonous and I kind of run out of things to think about that is that's what I go to um if I can start singing, that's how I stay awake and and with it. Um, I also tend, when I hit 500 miles into a race, I tend to start thinking about the next year and get really excited about, about the, the team for the next year and what races we should run and kind of get into planning mode. And, uh, it's kind of strange, but it it just gets me really excited, and uh, <laughs> so 
that that usually hits somewhere around the Yukon River. So is there, I'm going to jump into our, we've got a couple social media questions, which kind of fill in nicely here from uh, Epsi. So the first one is, do you have a favorite race distance? Hmm. I'd say a thousand miles, um, just because there's nothing like it. It's when you finish a race that long, it's, it's an experience like no other. And you're definitely cross that finish line, a bit of a changed person and have a bond with your dog team that, that you can't get really doing anything else. It's, um, pretty powerful. And, uh, yeah, so I, I, I think a thousand miles are definitely my favorite, especially if it's the Yukon Quest Trail. That's, it's a pretty incredible adventure. Okay. And how often do you snack dogs while you're on the trail? I usually snack every one to two hours, depending on, on temperature and, um, length of the run. Yeah. One to two. Once we get into heavy training and then racing, that's kind of my normal. Is there a preferred snack that your team enjoys? They like good old frozen beef. Um, we have hit times in Iditarod where they want fish really bad and, uh, they'll, uh, they'll go for that salmon like crazy when, when they want it. But yeah, that's usually, usually warmer weather. They'll, they'll start wanting fish. I think it's a little more moisture content in yep. fish, is it not? It is. So obviously you've had, you know, several thousand mile races and certainly some shorter ones with uh, nature's kennel and under the guidance of, of Ed Steelstra. Uh, but this summer you started uh, something new on your own. Can you tell us a little about that? Yes. Yeah, this summer was very exciting. So I started my dog. Um, basically, it is a summer sled dog center. So a place where people can come and... I can share the sport. Um, so we have puppies there and my race team. And really it's puppy cuddling, meeting some of the race team, and then just education about um, all the different races out there, um, about the dogs. And it's it's just so much fun to share that because uh, not – not in, not enough people know about sled dogs and how incredible they are. So it's a it's been a couple years that I've been working on getting things set up and and ready to open my dog. So it was a very exciting summer and uh yeah, already planning for next year and getting excited. Excellent. So did you have a successful year? Lots of people out to see you? We did. Yeah. Um, definitely kind of more than I was expecting for the first year. That's always a great, great place to be. And um, yeah, a lot of, met a lot of very, very fun people. And uh, yeah, my team loved it too. They had fun. I said, how can people find out more information or get in touch with you about my dog if they're interested? They can go to 
mydogtours.com. So it's mydogtours.com. All right, so we'll make sure to include that in the uh, show notes below so anybody listening can uh, jump on and check out uh, Laura's website on her fun new activity and a chance to come and see some puppies because everyone loves puppies and the rest (laughs) of her sled dog team. Uh, Do you have any race plans for the upcoming season that you can share with us? We do. We're going to head out to the Bear Grease Marathon at the end of January and then be at the UP200. And if all goes well, we'll make it out to Maine for the Can-Am. So it'll be a fun year. Nice. Sounds like a, a nice year and uh, staying a little bit closer to home, which which will be nice for a change. Makes it logistically a lot easier. Excellent. That's so much fun. Well, I really appreciate uh, the time that you spent with us. I know that sled dogs uh, and sled dog sports you know, people focus on the lead dogs and the mushers, but there's a lot that happens behind the scenes with extra help. Is there anybody that you'd like to thank that uh, has been helpful in the last year or as you've come along in your mushing career? Yeah, um, my parents this last year especially have been, uh, I don't know what I would have done without them, honestly. Um, yeah, they came up for every race last year and handled for me. And then this year, uh, or this spring and summer, um, getting getting all the final final projects done to open my dog. Um, Dad and I put up my cabin in about a month, and um, yeah, it's a they <laughs> mom planted I don't know how many thousand flowers, and uh, they're just. Just always there with encouragement, and um, yeah, they're they're pretty amazing. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you got a chance to have a lot of help uh, to get you along towards your goals, and it sounds really exciting. Uh, is there any other way that people can follow along with you? Are you uh, on social media or anything? I am. I'm on Facebook um, as Laura Nice, and then I also have a My Dog page also. Great. So we'll make sure we include that below for anybody who wants to follow along. Uh, really want to thank you for the time today, Laura. You know, it's been a real pleasure uh, talking to you. And, and it's always nice to hear people who that have come to the Canadian Challenge and, and moved on to bigger races. And, and uh, things are a little, uh, a little longer, a little different, but can't think enough for the stories. It's always nice to hear uh, people enjoy their time in northern Saskatchewan and the Canadian Shield. So Thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me, Dan. Excellent. So there's another episode of Canadian Challenge Tales. Anybody looking to follow us along, you can reach us at CanadianChallenge.com. We also have our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram listed below for anybody that wants to come along. We also have registration still open for anybody looking for 10-dog, 8-dog, or 6-dog race this coming February in northern Saskatchewan. Again, a big thanks to Laura. And until next time, see you later. From First Paw Media, this is Canadian Challenge Tales. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you would give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe too. Your host is Dan Kirkup. 
Our executive producer is Robert Forto, created for First Paw Media. Retirement can be scary, but only if you're not prepared. That's why AARP created thisispretirement.org. Because unless you've already retired, you're in pretirement and you still have time to plan. Learn about retirement savings options, potential tax breaks, and how you can build savings over time. Visit thisispretirement.org for free resources to help you customize your action plan and feel the retirement fear disappear. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.